Good morning. My name is Joe Dana, and I'm welcoming you to the Church of the Palms. I serve as an elder in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Eternal God, you sent Jesus Christ to rule over all things and made us servants in your kingdom. By your spirit, empower us to love the unloved and to minister to all in need. Then at the last, bring us to your eternal realm where we may worship and adore you and be welcomed into your everlasting love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let us worship God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting love. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Let us confess our need for God's saving love together. Righteous God, you have crowned Jesus Christ as Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him and are slow to acknowledge his rule. We give allegiance to the powers of this world and fail to be governed by justice and love. In your mercy, forgive us. Raise us to acclaim him as ruler of all, that we may be loyal ambassadors obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. May the God of mercy, who forgives us all our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
keep us in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now with believers down through the ages and across the globe, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now in Christian love, let us greet our neighbors, especially the people next to us that we don't know yet. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are so glad you're here this morning. Isn't it wonderful that basketball season is starting? (laughs) My football season is over. (laughs) We are so grateful that you are in our midst. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and we encourage you to uh, find a way by which to continue the conversation that maybe you just had after the service and we invite you also to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and pass those along and we would love for you to put name and face together of perhaps a person you've already started talking to and let them know that you are glad to be for yourself to be here and for them to be here as well. 
It is uh, Thanksgiving season and we are in the midst of our Thanksgiving week. As a part of that celebration, our youth uh, spent an overnight a homeless sleepover outside underneath the big oak tree out in the courtyard to experience firsthand sort of what the experience of being a homeless person is, including precipitation throughout the evening. So um, they uh, really find that to be a very helpful experience for them and as a way for them to sensitize uh, the plight of so many people in our world. And uh, we are grateful for that experience that they, that they shared. Last week, we made an uh, op opportunity for you to, uh, to pick up some troop boxes to support our troops. I believe that was a couple weeks ago. And over the last couple of weeks, we have already handed out 160 boxes uh, to you in order for you to send them out to troops around the world to support them. And uh, we've actually ran out of them. And so we got 50 more if you're still interested in participating in that, uh, uh, in that mission. We would love for you to do so. Come to the church office. We'll give you a box. And uh, we will be happy to have you continue in that way. Our Thanksgiving Eve service is this Wednesday evening here at Church of the Palms. We share this service with Temple Sinai, our neighbors just down the road, and it's a wonderful highlight of our Thanksgiving season. We hope you'll join us. We have dinner at five o'clock in the campus center, and then just come on right over here at six o'clock for our worship. Rabbi Hunting will be offering the message. Salvation Army, we are ringing the bell again, of course, as the Advent season begins next weekend, and we would love for you to join us. We have about 30 more slots. If you've not yet grabbed your slot uh, to ring the bell at Publix and to help raise, raise money for Salvation Army and their effort towards supporting the homeless, we would love for you to meet us out underneath the tree, and we will put your name down for a slot so that you can uh, help us in that very important mission. Life's difficult questions. I know that you have no questions in your life, but uh, perhaps you've run across a difficult question in your own mind, some one, a question that you perhaps are struggling for the answer for, perhaps in terms of your own faith. And we would love for you to share with us your questions in preparation for a class that we're gonna begin in January. I'll be teaching a class on Sunday night. You can go on our website, our Facebook page, put it, you'll see the little link there to put in your life's most difficult question and that will come to me and we'll work on that for a class beginning Sunday nights in January. So we'd love to hear from you in regards to that. You know, we do so many things in order to support our worship experience here and so many of them are visible. We have, of course, the world's greatest choir we have, uh, we have wonderful people who support so many parts of our life. We've got a great TV ministry, a sound uh, ministry as well. So many things that go into making worship here at Church of the Palms such a, a great experience. But did you know that there is a gentleman that comes in every Thursday? Bill, would you stand up? Bill Roop, who turns 93 this coming January, comes in every Thursday. Yeah. He's now mad at me for saying that he's gonna turn 93. But anyway, <laughs> Bill comes in every Thursday and prints the bulletins that you have here in your hand. Every Thursday morning, spends almost the entire morning doing that. And the good news is he's not retiring. He's coming back next Thursday to keep on doing it. But in the midst of ministry, we'd just like to say thank you for those people who are, perhaps you, know, you might think that's a little bit and piece of what we do, but it's actually a huge piece of what we do. So Bill, we just wanna give you this certificate of appreciation and say thank you so much for your ministry with us. Thank you, Mary. 
You said he'll keep on doing it as long as he can keep on doing it. That's, that's the spirit. Thank you, Bill. Let's give him a round of Yes, yes, thank you. Another very important part of our ministry and mission here, and I'm looking for Linda Lehman. Has Linda made it over here to the sanctuary yet? I don't yet see her. So how about we move to our music meditation and we'll invite Linda to share after she gets here to us from the garden.
One of the important ministries of our church, we spoke of this last week, is the ministry of our food pantry. I'd like to ask Linda Lehman if she would come forward to share with us uh, a story behind the food pantry as an encouragement for you to present your offerings today, which are being presented during our time of offering. My husband and I are substitutes at the food pantry. <clears throat> Early on, we learned that something very special was happening there. One day, people opened the door with a huge smile on their face. They saw Bill and I, and the smile slowly disappeared. They said, where are the people that are usually here? Are they sick? Are they on vacation? Will they be here next week? You know, we come here at this time every week so we can see them and talk to them. At that moment, we knew that the couple who normally helped at that time also gave a huge dose of God's love and caring. I believe every person involved in the food pantry could tell you an amazing story about how they've been blessed. This is my story. A lady opened the door, and before we could welcome her, she said, I'm really hungry. Could I just have some bread? Bill and I sprang from our chairs. We'd never had anyone come in like that before. Bill offered her a bag of groceries, and she said, no, I can't take that. I explained the church wants to share God's love in this way and that there's canned fruit and vegetables in the bag. She shook her head no. I said, there is spaghetti and sauce in the bag. I saw a little light in her eye, and she reluctantly said, okay. As Bill headed to get peanut butter for her bread, I headed for the fruit and vegetables. I realized this lady was probably between 85 and 90 years old. How could she be here, I thought. Doesn't someone love her and care for her? <clears throat> As we turned to give her the bags of food, we saw two tracks of tears running down her face. She said, I never expected this at all. And I responded, this is what this church loves to do. The bags were heavy and she was so thin that I grabbed them and said, let's head to your car. <clears throat> As we walked, she said, the only good thing in me is Jesus. I smiled and said, well, yes, he created you. He breathed life into you. He made you unique. He created every good thing. She said as though I wasn't understanding her. He died on the cross for me. He took all my sins. I'm forgiven. She continued, you know, it's so important to be grateful for what he has done. As we walked and talked in this precious moment, I knew that Jesus was walking with us. We shared about our lives in Christ, and I felt this sisterhood with her. I put the food in her car, and a voice in me said, why don't you pray with her? So I asked her, and she said yes, and it seemed like the most normal thing to do to hug her, and she hugged me back. And as I prayed, I felt like we were experiencing a moment in heaven. When I finished, she said, can I pray for you? I didn't expect that. <laughs> she wants to pray for me? I have bread. I have food at my house. She wanted to pray for me. I shook my head yes, and then she asked God to bless me. When she finished, she said, you know, if you love Jesus, you have to love others. Her love and, and relationship with the Creator was inspiring to me. As we parted, she gave me the biggest smile and she said, I believe you. 
I believe that the people at this church really care about others. I invited her back every week knowing she would be blessing someone else. As I walked back to the food pantry, I thought it was so simple. She needed bread. We gave her bread to feed her body. However, God had so much more to give both of us as he fed our souls. There is so much that goes into the functioning of the food pantry. It really is a team effort. First, we support it financially, and today we're going to take a special offering, and there's a little envelope in the pew in front of you. Please help sustain the food pantry. Then there are people that collect the food from various locations and bring it here. Um, and there's another group of people who truly have fun assembling the bags of food. If you've never done this, you've got to try it. And right now, there's a need for people on Thursday morning to do that. And we also need some more people to help distribute the food. Won't you come join this amazing team by talking to Pastor Bruce or Kathy Robinette? Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Linda. Let's join our hearts in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, as we approach our Thanksgiving celebrations, we want to express our gratitude for all you have done. You've given yourself to us in Jesus. You have given us your life. You have loved us long before we were aware of you. You've been gracious to us in our failings and never held our sins against us. You've poured out the blessings of life upon us. You've made us beloved children and treated us in some ways like no earthly parent ever could. And so we thank you. You've given us food to eat, clothes to wear, friends and family who love us, homes in which to live, cars to drive, and so many other things we often take for granted or are tempted to think we've gotten for ourselves through our own diligence. You've given us so much more, the privilege to live in a free and peaceful land where we can worship according to the dictates of our own conscience. You've given us a sound mind and filled our lives with many pleasures. An open heaven we have been given, the ability to speak to you in prayer anytime. You've provided us your spirit, your wisdom, your guidance. And when we think of the good things you've given us, all the ways in which you have shown your love, we are deeply moved. But for some of our people today, it's hard to be thankful. Some are sorrowing and grieving over the death of loved ones, and they need the presence of your holy comforter. There are those struggling with family problems and those with physical problems who need today to be reminded that you're the great physician. Some with major decisions to make, and they are perplexed and not sure which way to go. May they turn to you in humility and sense your gentle voice assuring them, this is the way, walk ye in it. And so, Lord, with each of us with our own particular and individual needs, we seek your will and your way. And we know you will not disappoint us. As we're reaching out to you, you've already reached out to us, and for that, we express gratitude and thanksgiving. 
And now we help that the things that we've been taught will be translated into real life action. The gratitude that we feel, help us to fill our lives in our gratitude with purpose and meaning by making us agents of others' redemption and ministers to your gospel. Help us to take time to say what it is meant to us that you've shown your goodness to us. Help us to share the praise for the gifts we seldom notice, the bounty we often take for granted, and to glorify your name for how you've watched over us through another year of seed time and of harvest. And for all that you have done, for all that you are, and for all that you will ever do, we lift our voices in praise to you. Hear our prayer and our song. We pray and help us to live as ones with eternally and grateful hearts. We ask this all in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us give our thanksgivings through our tithes and offerings.
us pray together. O Lord, fountain of all goodness, we give back to you in gratitude what you have already bestowed upon us. Help us to give in such a way that our hearts are open more to your gratitude and quicken us to be more in your service as a result of the commitments we make. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the Dana family to come forward, and as we do that, invite the children to come forward as well, and they will be seated down here in first row seat for the baptism. So come forward, good people. Well, it is a great day whenever we have a chance to baptize a new life in this world. This baby is sleeping, but not for long. <laughs> We're grateful to have the Danas back before us, Gretchen and William, as they bring their children, Faith, who we baptized not too long ago, and Liam now to be baptized. And we're grateful to have Joe and Adam here who are Liam's uncles who are here to support this great day and to support this beautiful little boy as he's to be baptized here before us. Baptism is a great moment in the life of the church because we remember that we're all children of God, that God loves us, God reaches out to us, God keeps us as his children and baptism, we rejoice in that and we make these covenant promises as a covenant community because we are all a part of the covenant family. And so we make promises in baptism so that we, whereby we can establish that covenant and be mindful of how God is at work in our midst to claim us as his children. So to that end, Gretchen and William, I'd like to ask you these questions as you bring Liam to be baptized before us today. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Liam an example of the new life in Christ? And to you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, do you undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time he may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? We do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen his ties with the household of God? Will you? We will. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, that you have given us life. And we thank you, O Lord, that you've given us new life in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, O Lord, that you claim us through baptism, that we are a part of that great covenant family. And we ask, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit will now attend to us, that through the Holy Spirit we'll be drawn together, and that we, we will be drawn toward this child, so that this child will know that there is a great family of faith that surrounds him. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen.
Liam, Morgan, Dana, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's okay. How about this little guy, huh? What do you think? Think he won't cry before I'm done? <laughs> we're so grateful that he gets to be a part of the Big Covenant family, and we're so grateful that we get to share this with your family. And Lori Haas, our Director of Family Ministry, is going to share a few words. So on behalf of Family Ministry, we want to officially welcome Liam into the family of Christ. You know, we said this before, that Parents, we are the most important influence in our children's lives, but we're not the only influence that our children need. So we are so excited as your extended church family to journey with you. We want to commemorate this day with a read and share Bible for you to do your faith at home for um, this beautiful cross stitch that a woman makes for us, for our special children, and for your baptismal um, certificate. Congratulations and God bless you. Let's pray quietly. <laughs> Thanks, O oh God, for the gift of life, for the gift of this little boy. Surround him with your grace and your mercy. In Christ's name, amen. So we did a homeless sleepover last night. So our homeless people are going to stand up, please, on that top step. Kids, if you just turn around, you'll be able to see. We just wanted to quickly share with you just a couple of things that we did. And we're going to start with Ashley. What is our key verse from our homeless sleepover? Wherever you do the least of these, you do unto me. We learned that homeless people are all different shapes and sizes and ages. In fact, 25% of homeless people are children. Ashley, what else did we learn about homeless people? Every single person is a child of God. Thank you. So, Ms. Carroll, um, what part of our experience was really like being homeless? We got to sleep in cardboard boxes last night. <laughs> nice, nice. How was it different, Kevin? We had lots to eat, McDonald's and s'mores, and we had lots of tape for all our boxes. Thank you. Connor, how else was it different? We had warm sleeping bags, flashlights, and friends. We knew we could go inside if the weather got bad. Or if the sprinklers went off at 3 in the morning. You learned that, too, that you could go in when you're soaking wet. Mm, excellent. So we learned that it means two things, to be the hands of Christ in a broken world. Ava, what were they? Hands are to help and hands are to pray. Both are important. Cooper, how can we help? We can help by ringing the Salvation Army bell and giving a gift card to the fast food restaurant. Excellent. Stephanie, how else? We could carry granola bars and water to give away. Thank you. Walter, what do you have to add? You can adopt a Salvation Army angel. Thank you. We, we adopted two last night. We shopped for them at Walmart, and we have them all ready to go. Rebecca, what else? We can donate money to our food pantry. And be kind when we see a homeless person. Being kind is right. Molly, what do you have to add? Oh, an S. Thank you. Claire May, what else? Gavin, Abby, Matthew. We all need to do our part to love others. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for our amazing gifts and blessings of new life, of baptized children, of all the children of God that you created. 
Help us, Lord, to love them the way you love us. Amen. Let's go, guys. seated. One more service note, and that is our last hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King. We'll just sing the first four verses. So I know you like singing six verses, but we're going to sing four verses today. Our scripture this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Hear the word of God. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. 
See, today I appoint you over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And then these words from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Surely such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shale, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, allow these words to come to be the word, to be focused on the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I love the story that is told of some graffiti that was found on a school desk somewhere in some high school in America. In one set of handwriting, it was written the question, where will you spend eternity? And below it was written, by the looks of it now, biology 101. <laughs> I wouldn't have been clever enough to think of that answer, but it most certainly speaks for me. I did not do well in biology. I hate to admit it, but anything that smelled of math and science made me quiver in high school and college. I didn't have a brain for it. I guess I'm still looking for what I have a brain for. Part of it is that in biology, what you get introduced to is this incredibly deep and complex world of the human physiological system, organs and muscles and bones and cells and genes and a whole bunch of other things that make up this, this thing that we call the human body. Before I could even scratch the surface of all that goes on inside the human body, I already knew that I was in over my head. Too much information for too little of a brain. And so what I did not learn in biology class is what my friends Lee and Larry and Randy and Dave, all of whom became doctors, were learning, which is that the body is this nearly incomprehensible and miraculous collection of systems held in this mysterious balance of life that somehow, and often despite what we do to it, continues to function every moment of every day of our lives. The lungs keep breathing, the heart keeps 
keeps pumping, the brain keeps computing, the kidneys keep purifying, the appendix keeps appendixing, and, and now you can tell that I'm a little beyond my reach. This system of flesh and blood and electrical current that even over the course of thousands of years of science, we are still attempting to learn and we've discovered that what we don't know about the human body is more still than what we know. And all of this is in your possession. All of this is you. Each of us is in possession of around six, 206 bones, over 600 muscles, an average of 100,000 hairs. Some of you, I can tell, lowered that average a bit. 100 trillion cells with, get this, 25 million cells being added to your body every second. Five million receptors, and that's just in your nose. Arteries, veins, capillaries, that if you put them end to end, would reach 60,000 miles. All of that is inside you. There was enough nuclear energy, so I'm told, in a human body to light up the city of Los Angeles. All these things I did not learn in biology class. I learned on Wikipedia. <laughs> I know just enough to make me a dangerous preacher. But what I also did not learn in biology class is the answer to the question, why? Why? Why all this? Why such an organism? What is all the fanfare for? Why all the wiring? Why the 100 trillion cells? Why are you and I walking around with a nervous system that lets us walk around? What is the purpose behind this? It is, of course, the fundamental question of human existence. It's not the first time you've heard it, and it won't be the last time you wonder about it. The bookstore is full of authors who want to take up sides on the question, but it's not my intention to engage that debate. As I said, I'm a preacher that knows enough to make me dangerous, and in some circles it may be a dangerous thing to affirm that the purpose and reason behind all this chemistry and wiring and flesh and blood is that in the words of the psalmist, we were fearful and wonderfully made that this creation has a creator that this marvelous intricate system has a programmer that we were knit together in our mother's womb by a knitter that before we were the gleam in our father's eye we were the gleam in our father's eye that we began as a good idea we came together for a reason and for a purpose that before we were even formed, in the words of Jeremiah, before we were even formed, we were known, we were consecrated, and we were appointed. Now that is the leap of faith we all take. By grace, you and I have been given the gift to believe that we gather this morning not as some random collision of cell masses, but that you and I were placed in this world for a reason, that all this, all this wiring, all this intricate web of muscle and artery and bone, all these neurons pulsating with life, all that came together inside you and me and was sparked by divinity. And if you're sparked by divinity, well, that means that there has to be some kind of meaning to your life. If God means to make something, 
then that means that there is a meaning for you. Dorothy Sayers in her great book, The Mind of the Maker, suggests that the divine creative process takes on a Trinitarian form in which God begins with an idea that you and I are a God idea and then God puts forth energy to make us into who we are, that we were knit together, that we were created at the hands of the potter, but then creation is not complete until creation is beheld, until the Spirit uses us as a channel to touch the life of another, not unlike the author of a book. First, the author thinks of an idea, then the author pens the word to the page, but none of that matters until someone reads the book. You and I find our greatest meaning when we understand that we are the idea of God, that we are formed of God's hand, and we are formed for the purposes of another. Jeremiah starts out his great prophecy by saying, God knew me before I was formed. I was a good idea of the divine. Then God formed me of the dust of the earth. But then the prophet wonders, the young prophet wonders, what use have you for me? And God says, oh, don't say I'm only a boy. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. You see, the creation is not complete until the idea is formed and then expressed. The book is not a book until it is written and read. Abraham Joshua Heschel said it this way, man is man because something divine is at stake in his existence. He is not an innocent bystander in the cosmic drama. There is in us more kinship, he says, with the divine than we are able to believe. Can you imagine with me the possibility that something divine is at stake in you? that not only you are a walking, talking marvel of divinely constructed flesh and blood, but there is a great purpose for your life, that you are here on this earth to somehow make a difference in the lives of one, two, ten, a hundred, a thousand, perhaps a million people, that the creation of God is not complete until you embrace and live out your purpose, that there is enough for you, that there is not enough for you to be just a book that sits on the table, but the purpose of your life is to be opened and read by another. You see, behind every person, behind every mass of cells and organs and flesh and blood, there is a purpose. Behind every person, there's a purpose, and behind every purpose, there's a person. I read just a few years ago the obituary of John S. Berry. Do you know who John S. Berry is? I bet you don't. John S. Berry is the reason why four out of every five households in America has in its possession a blue and yellow can of something called WD-40. Raise your hand if you know anything about WD-40. WD-40 fixes everything. At least it feels that way. John S. Berry took the invention of Dr. Norm Larson, another name you did not know, and turned it for something that only just a few aeronautical engineers knew about to something that 80% of Americans know about, this oily, greasy substance that has just the right level of water displacement to take the squeak and creak out of just about everything except our knees and hips. <laughs> it's miracle material. And do you know why it's called WD-40? Because it took 40 times 
to get the water displacement formula, WD, water displacement, it took 40 times to get the water displacement formula right. WD-40. Behind that blue and yellow can, there was a person. There were people. I buried a gentleman several years ago, and as I was talking with his sons about their father, preparing for the eulogy, I asked, him, asked them if there was anything about their father I should know. One of them held up a pencil. I said, okay, what about the pencil? He said, you see this metal ring that goes around the top of the pencil that holds the eraser? I said, yes. He said, our father invented that. That little strip of metal that I'd never given thought to. Behind that was a person, a person with a purpose. Now here's the thing. Thank God we're all not called to be inventors because I'd be out of luck. Thank God we're all not called to be famous because being famous is not what it's cracked up to be. But the truth is, if there's any shred of goodness in this world, if there is any glimpse of God, if there is any encounter with grace, what is behind it is a creator who founded and formed a person, a person with a purpose, a person with a gift to give a glimpse of the goodness and grace of God. Most mornings when I walk into the coffee shop, and believe me, most mornings I do walk into the coffee shop, behind the cash register is a man named Ken. Ken is a good Episcopalian. And every morning when I step up to the counter, Ken says to me, before I order my coffee, the Lord be with you. And I say back, and also with you. That's how I start my day when I stand in front of this person and he says to me, the Lord be with you. He has poured God and goodness into my life. And behind that goodness is a person, a person. The purpose of his protoplasm is bolstering my spirit and reminding me that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The creative force of God has found its completion in the joy received alongside of a cup of coffee. David Bailey was a young man I knew. His father is Ken Bailey, Dr. Ken Bailey, one of the great biblical scholars in the Presbyterian Church today. His son David has started out a career in corporate America, but at an early age was diagnosed with a terminal form of brain cancer. And not knowing how long he had to live, he quit his job and took up his passion, singing and playing the guitar. And he was very good at it. It seemed that all the wiring all the bones, all the muscles, all the 100 trillion cells were there in his body to play those six strings and to sing. And so he decided he was going to sing songs of hope and joy and grace and love to those who were well and to those who were sick. He expected he had six months to do this. That's what the doctor said. So he toured the country, he circled the globe, he wandered hospital oncology wings, and he just sang. He recorded, he played concerts, he was on television. He would keep singing until he said the cancer would tell him he couldn't. Six months turned into 14 years before he died. And what he discovered, he told me once, was that the very thing that was trying to take his life was giving him life. Because he had found the secret 
that behind every goodness there's a person and he wanted to be the person behind the goodness. In one of his letters to his friends, he listed the lessons he learned and they were these. God is real, hope is worth it, family comes first, kindness has no conditions, strength is subjective, music, smiles, and coffee can cross any border, children deserve you, Friends and angels are often the same thing. Prayer matters, and peace has many faces. Do you hear the goodness? Delivered by a man dying of brain cancer whose biology was not cooperating. But behind every purpose, there's a person so the prophet wonders, what, what could God do through him? And here we speak of him 2,500 years later, and what might happen if we wondered the same thing? What might God do with this mysterious and miraculous body of flesh and blood, cells and current, heart and soul, if it's true that the Creator is adding to us 25 more million cells a second? Might that be a sign that God has something yet in store for us? I love the words on the old Yorkshire tombstone, God give me work till my life shall end and life till my work is done. What might God have left to do through you and me to finish his creation? No waiting necessary, no patent required, no biology class expected for the greatest question is not how, it's why. Each of us has a why. And the why waits for us. As soon as these words are through, the why waits for us. Who will we bless? What joy will we bring? What love will we share? What grace will we extend? This is the why. And if there's anything to be thankful for in this week leading to Thanksgiving, it's that. The good idea of God waiting in you for its completion. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Amen.